Do I necessarily blame Roger Wilco for his dereliction of duty? You'd probably find me asleep in a closet if I were a janitor on a spaceship, but we can hash the details out on our review of Space Quest, the Syrian Encounter, on the fifth episode of the Fine and Tandy podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you stick around and enjoy. Welcome back to Fine and Tandy, a Tandy 1000 podcast. My name is Adam, and this show is dedicated to celebrate and explore early DOS titles that have Tandy 16 color graphics and or three-voice Tandy sound. Fine and Tandy, amongst all the Commodore Chronicles family of podcasts, are heavily centered around listener feedback. If you want to submit feedback for our next episode's featured title, listen to the end of the episode where our next title for review is announced. Subsequent posts will be made on Commodore Chronicles Discord server, twitter.com forward slash c64 chronicles, and facebook.com forward slash c64 chronicles where feedback can be submitted. If you don't have access to those social media sources, feedback can also be submitted by email to commodorechronicles at gmail.com. If you feel so led to support the efforts of the Commodore Chronicles family of podcasts, including Fine and Tandy and 486 Deluxe, you can do so over at patreon.com forward slash c64chronicles. Special thanks to the Fast Low Collective patron members, Chris Petzel, Jim Pones, Eric Nelson, and the Bearded Son of Nell. Thank you all for your support, participation, and generosity. Let's check out some news. News item number one, the Commodore Chronicles family of podcasts has a Discord server. Social media seems to be a necessary evil these days. Good in concept, but bad in practice. And the goal of the Commodore Chronicles Discord server is to have a locale for all things retro without the drama of the outside world, i.e. the Twitter and Face space. It'll cover all the podcasts, plus the Southeast Michigan Vintage Computer Club, if I ever pull it together. So keep an eye on the Twitter, uh, and the face space, uh, uh. and if you want to, you can send me an email at commodorechronicles at gmail.com, and I'll send you a link. News item number two, BoatFest 2023. June 13th through the 15th, 2023, the Amigos Retro Gaming Podcast are holding their annual Vintage Computer Exhibition in Hurricane, West Virginia, what's known as the Taze Valley. I'll be there, along with my C64s and Tandy 1000s, so if you're in the area, you can come check it out, and you could sign up at boatfest.info. News item number three, the Commodore Chronicles family of podcasts welcomes another show. Say hello to the NES Advantage podcast a show about the pivotal console that reshaped and revived console gaming in the United States. There's no home console that captured more of my time than the beloved Nintendo Entertainment System. Whether on original hardware, the NES Classic Mini, or other forms of emulation, 
it was really only a matter of time before I embarked into a show to further explore its catalog. Keep an eye out on Discord and the social medias for posts related to its release, and I hope you enjoy it. News item number four, let's get this darn thing planned. Between a busy work and family life, there hasn't been an awful lot of time for show building whatsoever. The last three weekends, though, have had significant time dedicated to giving the show a facelift with four new updated logos, uh, a bevy of effort into the previous aforementioned um, NES Advantage podcast, and lastly, with the efforts on the Southeast Michigan Vintage Computer Club. If you head to semichiganvcc.blogspot.com, you can find a new website, a new logo, and the first posting about attempting to find interested parties. If you live within spitting distance of the Detroit area, you should consider plugging in. I hope to hear from you. And now that we've covered the show details and some news, let's get to today's review of Space Quest, The Syrian Encounter. Space Quest The Syrian Encounter is a graphic adventure developed and published by Sierra Online in 1986. Design, graphics, and programming credits include Mark Crow and Scott Murphy, otherwise known as the two guys from Andromeda, Sol Ackerman, and also one of the founding members of Sierra Online, Ken Williams, each of them playing critical roles in the majority of Sierra Online's library. Titles including the Quest series of games, Kings, Space, and Police Quest, Leisure Suit Larry, The Black Cauldron, The Metal Tech series, The Laura Bow, and Gabriel Knight series. Most recently, Mark Crow, Scott Murphy, and Sol Ackerman released Space Venture, a play on the Space Quest series formula released in 2022. Even Ken Williams got back into the programming seat after a long hiatus. Him and his wife, Roberta, did a revised VR take on the classic Colossal Cave Adventure. Space Quest begins with the cheery music we heard in our introduction, while the following narrative is printed across the screen. Light years from the Earth's solar system, the people of the galaxy Ernon have been struggling to maintain the precious of life. The sun of Ernon is slowly dying. The planets grow cold. Food is no longer plentiful. Life will become impossible to sustain. The scientific community of Xenon devised a plan to convert one of Ernon's lifeless planets into a new sun. The effort was centered around the development of a device called the Star Generator. 
the star generator would be capable of igniting an otherwise useless planet into a raging ball of flame. An expedition set out aboard the starship Arcada to successfully complete development and testing of the star generator. The Arcada is now returning triumphantly to Xenon with the fully operational star generator. Then the storyline takes a vast shift and pivots to what becomes much of the focus of the game, your hapless character, Roger Wilco by default, or whatever you end up choosing. It continues, You serve as a member of the crew of the Arcada, as a janitor. That's right, a janitor. And not a very good one. You would probably have been sacked and replaced were the Arcada not millions of kilometers from Xenon. As we join our story, you have just completed one of your famous on-shift naps in one of the janitorial storage closets. From here, we are thrust into the action of the game, where Roger is abruptly woken from his nap by the klaxon of the Arcada's alarm, and calls over the ship's intercom warning the crew of an unknown intruder's boarding. The warnings on the intercom come to an abrupt end, setting Roger into action. Many events that occur in Space Quest require a specific series of actions before they are triggered. For example, your first task should be to find if any of the Arcada's crew members are still alive to see what has happened here. But if you search the rooms and hallways, you'll find no one alive. You have to enter a room that looks like a library to the left of your janitor's closet from both sides of the room. If you walk in from the right and exit to the left, and then return to the library and wait, a scientist will hobble into the room and collapse. When you use the command, look at man, the scientist will struggle to hold his body up to address you. He props himself on his forearms to tell you that the Arcada is under attack and the star generator is in grave danger. He mentions that you should escape the ship if you value your life. He looks over at the library of red cartridges that line the back wall and utter his last two words, a strained astral body, and slumps back to the floor dead. He was hinting that you should retrieve that data cartridge from the system on that back wall. Use the command look at monitor and it'll pull up the cartridge retrieval system command prompt asking for a title. Enter Astral Body, and the cartridge carrier will retrieve it. Type in Get Cartridge into the command parser, and then exit the room to the left. Continue down the hallway to the left, where you'll find a slain crew member on the floor. Type in Search Man to discover his security keycard. Type Get Keycard into the parser to take it. Normally, you'd search the hallways just to find that you require said keycard and you'll have to go all the way back to find it. But often, you'll get hunted down in the hallways, so that's why I save pretty often. From there, you'll head to the right to the next elevator and take it down by merely entering it. Continue to head to the right, watching out for Sarian soldiers. When the screen prompts, you hear the sound of footsteps on the bottom of the screen, 
find a place to hide, whether that's behind the elevator housing or within the next room. To the right, you'll reach a screen with three red flashing globes on the floor. Just above and between the two right-hand globes is a panel with an open, close, bay door button. Enter press button on the parser and continue to the right. To the right of this screen is another elevator that requires your newly acquired keycard. Type use keycard into the parser and then take the elevator down to the docking bay ready room. On the north wall of the ready room is two closets. Open both with the buttons in the middle by standing in front of them and typing press left and press right. Type get gadget when you stand in front of the gadget that's in the left closet and then type in get suit when you stand in front of the space suit in the right closet. Then walk down to the control panel at the bottom of the screen and type look at controls. It'll mention an airlock button. Type press airlock and the airlock on the right wall will open. Walk through that airlock. You will take this to the docking bay. So if you're not wearing the spacesuit, you would have just found another way to die. Just inside the docking bay is a console. Type look at console. It'll describe the only button of interest to our mindless protagonist, the platform button. Type press platform into the parser and an escape pod will come into view. Walk to the pod and type enter ship. Upon entering the ship, make sure you do your safety due diligence and type fasten seatbelt. Type in look at panel into the parser to learn about the throttle status indicators and the auto nav power and do not touch buttons. Type press power and the ship will come to life. Then type close door and the door will shut. Then type pull throttle and your ship will thrust away from the Arcada and into space. Upon entering the ship, make sure you do your safety due diligence and type in fasten seatbelt. You'll thank me later. Be sure to type in look at panel to learn about the throttle status indicators, the auto nav power and do not touch buttons. Type press power and the ship will come to life. Then type close door and it'll slam shut. Then type pull throttle and your ship will thrust away from the Arcada and into space. The game then prompts you that you are floating in outer space quite aimlessly. But if you type in press auto nav into the parser, the auto navigation system will take a few seconds and then prompt you. It'll tell you that you're on your way to the planet Corona and then proceeds to crash land onto it. On Corona, you'll escape the grasp of a deadly Syrian spider droid, meet a race of aliens that uses vaguely described euphemisms, and then places you on a task to kill the deadly beast Orat. In succession of doing so, they offer you a means of travel to your next locale, Ulint's Flats. An obvious pun, because if you reverse the order of Ulint's Flats, you get flatulence. It seems to be from this point forward, Space Quest journeys into the parody. On Ulint's Flats, 
you'll encounter numerous copyrighted likenesses of creatures and locales from Star Wars, Star Trek, and you'll even meet the Blues Brothers. You'll barter with a used spacecraft salesman and risk playing an arcade slots game with the consequence of vaporized death. And then in some versions, you'll urinate on a building. After raising funds and buying a ship and droid, you can track down and board the Dell Tower and face the murderous Syrians themselves. But we'll leave you to finish out that story arc. So now that we've covered the details and storyline of Space Quest, the Syrian Encounter, let's review it. Fine and Tandy. Game Review. Find and Tandy amongst all of the Commodore Chronicles family of podcasts, reviews titles in the following areas. Graphics, sound, music, gameplay, replayability. We'll give it an overall score and compare it to other versions of the game. Graphics. Space Quest graphics are bright and delightfully cartoonish, if not a bit simple. Roger Wilco is little more than a stick figure, but is animated in a fairly charming fashion. The atmosphere of Space Quest varies from place to place, with most locales being well detailed. However, there's a handful of screens, including much of earlier Corona, that are lacking in detail. They are far and wide the minority, however. This game was quite sharp for its time. It only has a 200 by 160 graphics resolution, but it still seems to have aged fairly well. Graphics get 7.5 buckazoids out of 10. Sound. Even though the majority of Space Quest sounds are bleeps and bloops, the team at Sierra implemented them well. The sound of doors opening and closing, the blast of laser rifles, and the klaxon of the Arcada's alarm are all well-placed and don't detract from the experience. The best thing is, they're not overly sparse either, leading to sound deserving. Seven alarm klaxons out of ten. Music. Thankfully, Space Quest was designed for the IBM PC Jr., and it utilizes the three-voice sound chip quite well. The theme song is iconic, and the bar on Yulin's Flats features a couple of neat tunes as well. Music is a bit sparse, though, but they stuffed a lot of gameplay, for the time, on just a few five-and-a-quarter discs. Music deserves seven obvious copyright issues out of ten. Gameplay. I briefly played this as a kid and absolutely got nowhere. At that point, I couldn't stand it. When I got into pirating as a teenager, I picked up another copy. I got a little further, but really couldn't stand it still. I hadn't got much past the early arrival on Corona. Much of this has to do with the constant trial and error nature of the game. There's so many unwinnable scenarios that I grew tired of it. It wasn't until more recent explorations and playthroughs that I found a place to hang my hat on. More on that later. But it wasn't the gameplay. Like I mentioned in the walkthrough earlier in the episode, very specific events and triggers need to happen to easily progress through this game, some of them being rather obscure. And it used to take me like five or six minutes just to get the scientist into the library, 
but all it took was a read or a watch of a walkthrough video to figure out how to make that work better. The movements of your character and the text parser in the game are fairly easy to comprehend, but just in Sierra Online fashion, those inputs often lead to the biggest component of their games, and that being the many, many ways you can die. Therefore, gameplay begrudgingly receives 6.5 service droids out of 10. Replayability. I know you're probably scorning me for my gameplay assessment, but I promise you it leads to better horizons. Space Quest is the first in a six-game series, and it may not be the best, but it's the primer for the entire series. It properly sets the tone and becomes one of its biggest assets, the comedic value. And it's always been the reason why I come back. Space Quest is just amusing and a good time, easily worth the repeat playthrough for its sheer absurdity. Replayability gets 8 random deaths out of 10. Overall score. Like previously said, the first Space Quest certainly isn't the best, but its heritage brings the player back. Once you grasp the concepts, and maybe even consult a guide, the experience really blossoms. Roger Wilco ends up being one of those characters you're drawn to by his sheer stupidity, much like that of Homer Simpson. Roger's success despite his ineptitude is his charm. You want the big dumb idiot to see, succeed, and he certainly does. Space Quest's place in video game history seems to be sealed. Its comedic value is its charm, and honestly would lend itself to a TV series or set of movies. Remember though, Space Quest 1? It's a bit of a slog, but you'll learn to love it by experiencing the rest of the series. That being said, Space Quest The Searing Encounter deserves an overall score of 7.5 out of 10. 10 system recommendations. Space Quest runs equally well on just about any Tandy 1000 platform, save for an original Tandy 1000 that doesn't have a RAM upgrade. The originals came with 128 kilobytes of RAM, but this game requires 256 kilobytes. So pretty much any 8088, 8086, or 286 machine will run Space Quest quite well. Comparing versions. Space Quest was released for MS-DOS, Amiga, Atari ST, Macintosh with two versions, Apple II, and the Apple II GS. None of the versions aside from the earlier Macintosh version have any sort of diminished graphics, and that's mainly because it's in black and white. The Apple II version isn't technically perfect, but it's a really solid entry considering the platform. None of the versions really feature expanded color palettes or any improvements in any sort. Pretty uniform across the board. Music and sound are rather varied in scope, though. The Apple II and the standard PC speaker version are embarrassingly terrible. The Apple II version is actually more shrill than that of the MS-DOS PC speaker version. I guess that's really not a surprise. The Apple II GS version is the standout with digitized music and sound clips 
It's nothing groundbreaking, and the music suffers from really short clips, so where I'd say the loop for the opening tune and the tunes at the bar, probably right around a minute to about a minute and a half on the PC um, Junior slash Tandy 1000 version, these ones tend to be right around 25-30 seconds. However, the biggest failure are the, um, the Atari ST and the Amiga versions. They both use digitized recordings of the three-voice Tandy PC Junior sound. There's a ton of analog static in these recordings as well. It's a real disappointment considering the Amiga hardware. In the gameplay department, most versions play equally. The Macintosh version features a redundant drop-down menu system, one that even features a drop-down menu for movement. It's not really a point-and-click here, folks. So in this case, I have to award the best version to the Tandy 1000 slash PC Junior version. It's the best all around. It plays the best, it's the fastest, and it's also got the best all around music and sound. Now, I want to see what you think of it. I got no actual feedback on the 1986 release of Space Quest other than it has technical limitations. However, I got feedback on every other version of Space Quest, all the sequels, and everybody seems to like the VGA remake better. <laughs> so I got thumbs up and I got a whole bunch of hearts. So maybe those people enjoy it, but nobody thought it was, uh, I don't think anybody wanted to take the time to, to really expand whether they love or hate this game. So, uh, anyways, feel free, send me an email, send me a message on Twitter, Facebook, or get on the discord server and let me know what you thought of the original 1986 version of space quest. So there we have it, folks. Episode five of fine and Tandy is in the bag. On the next episode of Fine and Tandy, we'll be reviewing LucasArts' point-and-click adventure, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, the graphic adventure. If you want to submit feedback for our next review, look out for posts on Commodore Chronicles' Discord server, twitter.com forward slash c64chronicles, and facebook.com forward slash c64chronicles. Feedback can also be submitted via email to commodorechronicles at gmail.com. If you wish to support the efforts of the Commodore Chronicles family of podcasts, including Fine and Tandy, 46 Deluxe, and NES Advantage, you can do so over at patreon.com forward slash c64chronicles. Special thanks to the Fastload Collective patron members Chris Petzl, Jim Pones, Eric Nelson, the Bearded Son of Nell, and honorary member Mr. Kristoff. I hope you join me next month for our coverage of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, the graphic adventure, but until then, please take care and stay clearly superior.